So it's been a really beautiful summer down here in SoCal. And it's been a summer that's been very defined by surfing and surf culture. Nicole and I have been surfing a lot. We've been going down to like Trestles, which is this really known surf spot in Southern Orange County. And we've just been really ripping and like practicing and um, we've both just been falling back in love with this sport and getting super stoked and using words like stoked and using words like psyched and adopting like stupid air airhead like socal surfer slang and just loving every second of it <laughs> you know it makes me think about thematic summers like this is definitely the summer of surf um and i think all of us have thematic summers in our lives like i think back to the summer of 2006 and the summer of 2006 was the summer of monument for me so um i was living in my best friend xander's apartment we had started the band together i was sleeping on like a dog bed like a literal dog bed <laughs> which is considering the fact that i'm six seven makes it like all the more comical um but it was like totally chill at the time um our lives were like totally dedicated to this band and getting this band off the ground so like during the day we would hand out flyers in times square and like try to nail down invites to our show every single night we were playing different shows at like these awesome venues in manhattan um we were like grinding on our social media which at the time was entirely dominated by myspace um so it was a summer that was like dedicated to this purpose of getting this band off the ground and and making it making it into something um and we were just like these young naive kids with like a really really big dream um and it, it was just su such a beautiful summer you know when i think back on it there's like so many memories um so that was the summer of monument you know when i think back to like my summer i think my summer of between fifth and sixth grade that was like my stephen king summer i remember i dedicated the summer to reading these stephen king novels and it was like such a big deal for me because it was the first time i was reading uh these like adult chapter novels that were like 300 pages and and um they were dark and scary and um and i could understand them and i could get through through them and really like engage with the text and and that's the summer that i really fell in love with reading you know and um and reading has been a big part of every single summer since then so like thematic summers i feel like are are really really cool and um you know i think a lot of people this summer is going to be defined by quarantine and COVID-19 but um I definitely challenge you to to find something outside of that to help define the summer for you try to find one thing to really really make it beautiful and I think that will be a rewarding experience for you for me it's surfing and uh, and honestly probably this podcast you know when I think back on summer 2020 I'm going to think about um, surfing with Nicole and, you know, pursuing like these new creative endeavors. Um, and I love that.
I love that. So I hope you're having a phenomenal summer. And love y'all. This is Patrick. So a hot topic during Qteen has been weight gain. You know, everyone is trapped in their apartment. Um, gyms are closed. People are stress eating. Um, it's it's a difficult time for for health, both physical and emotional. You know, people are really really struggling, and I'm someone who. Um, places a lot of emphasis on health um specifically exercise um that like I was really I was really disconcerted when all of this started because like you know cornerstone of my day is like 5 a.m crossfit every day um gets me going gets me in the right headspace to tackle my day um and I've been kind of I've been on that schedule for like the past three years so Q-Teen definitely interrupted that. Um, And, you know, I was still exercising every single day, sometimes twice a day in my apartment. Um, But also, like, just not, not working, not having to be moving around all day. Like, as a teacher, I'm on my feet all day. I'm constantly running up three flights of stairs, up and down, up and down. Um, I'm really active during the day. And I didn't have that. Um, and also being home, you just have a tendency to eat more. Um, so like in quarantine, like I, you know, I I tried to be really disciplined and I, um, first thing I was, you know, I was working out all the time. Um, and I could feel myself gaining weight. And so then I like, I started doing this thing called the warrior diet where I would fast all day Um, and then I would just eat between the hours of five and 5 PM and 9 PM. Um, so I would just have a four hour eating window every single day, but I actually ended up gaining more weight on that diet because like I was just going so hard in the paint during those four hours and like not being mindful about what I was consuming. And it ended up actually being really unhealthy. Um, so now I'm like, I'm back to my normal weight and I'm doing CrossFit again in the morning, even though, you know, who knows it it could shut down any day again. Um, and I'm just, I'm eating like three meals a day. And I feel like that's like, um, three healthy meals a day. And that's, that's definitely like the best approach for me. Um, but gaining weight is such a bummer and it's something that like really stresses me out. Um, And I've had some like pretty classic like weight gains um, in the past. Once one period of weight gain that that really stands out that I remember is in 2005, I had this amazing opportunity to study abroad in London. And, um, you know, I was was literally just a kid. I was 20 years old at the time. Um, And it was a very big party atmosphere and you know, we were going out every night and rarely, rarely going to class. And we would, we would, you know, be out and about every night. 
And I developed this habit of eating fast food, like almost nightly, at like really late at night, like inappropriate fast food consumption um, every night. And I remember like, because fast food is really a big thing in London. And, um, and my go-to was Burger King because Burger King at the time, now this is like, I think like a seasonal item at Burger King, like it's not always on the menu, but they have this thing called the Rodeo Cheeseburger, which is like just a Burger, Burger King patty with onion rings and barbecue sauce on it. And um, in London at the time, I think those were like on like the pound menu. So you'd get one rodeo burger for a pound. And I used to throw those down like every single night. And um, we didn't have access to a gym in London. Like in 2005, like going to a gym daily, like was not something that was in my repertoire yet. But I remember like, you know, I was someone who would like go to the gym like a couple times a week. So I was like, at first I was kind of bummed out that we didn't have access to a gym. And then like, you know, a couple weeks of like rodeo burgers later, I like just didn't care. (laughs) And, you know, I went into that spiral where like you start gaining weight and you just, you know, you get a case of the fuckets and, um, and your weight just like spirals. And you know, I, I don't have many pictures from that period of my life, but I, there's this one picture of my fan of when my family came to visit me and we went to Paris together. Um, and in this picture, I am like absurdly fat and I'm pretty sure I started that trip out like, like a normal, normal weight. And I must've gained 40 pounds. Um, thanks to those rodeo burgers. Um, and and that's a bummer. I remember coming back from London in, in really, really rough shape. Um, but it's, you know, if you've gained weight over, over cutene, I think the majority of people have. And it's just a result of the circumstances, you know. Um, but it's never too late to turn it around. It is never too late to turn it around. So if you're in one of those weight gain spirals uh, that I just described, be it rodeo cheeseburgers or be it um whatever whatever your vice is um it's not too late to stop and and make today the first day of of healthy living and um a positive cutene experience a triumphant and enlightening cutene experience and uh i think that's definitely what i'm having right now so This is Patrick. I love y'all. So I grew up in like a super rural section of New Jersey. Lots of farmlands, um, lots of forest, lots of ponds, lakes, rivers, places to go fishing, places to ride your bike. It's called Hunterdon County, New Jersey, and it's really pastoral and gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Um, You know, it's not what you think of when you think of New Jersey. It's far away from the Garden State Parkway. It's far away from any smog or factories or 
you know, overcrowded shenanigans. Um, it's a really special, amazing place that I hold really dear to my heart. And growing up in a rural area, you know, as a kid, as a young adult, um, sometimes it can be a challenge to find fun stuff to do, you know? And it's like the constant lament, you know, growing up in that kind of environment, you're constantly like, oh my God, there's nothing to do around here. But then as an adult, you think back on those little things you did and they were really, really special. Um, and one thing I was thinking about the other day is, um, first time I, I ever really started to go see live music, um, consistently was in high school and my friend Matt used to take me to, um, like punk rock and hardcore shows. Now there were no proper clubs in Huntington County, so they would have these shows in, um, like weird venues, like um, a fire station, or um, there was one place in Washington, New Jersey, that was an old candy shop that on Friday and Saturday nights, they'd have like punk and, and hardcore bands play. The one place that really stands out to me though, is uh, this place called King Buffet. And King Buffet is located in Clinton, New Jersey. And um, during the day, it was like an all-you-can-eat um, Chinese food buffet. and But I think they, they had, like, everything. I think they had, like, American food, Chinese food, um, Mexican food. Honestly, I never went there to eat, not even once, just because growing up, like, my, my family didn't really do buf- the whole buffet thing. Um, but on Friday and Saturday nights, they would clear out the buffet section and they would host these big multi-room punk and hardcore shows and it would cost like ten dollars to get in as you were coming in they would um put two big x's on your hands to show that um you weren't 21 and you couldn't drink and um but honestly i don't think now thinking back i don't think any of these places even had bars but maybe there was, I don't know the, the, the deal, but I, I know we'd always have like these X's on our hands. And um, the shows were just awesome and explosive, you know? You could go and see a band and stand like right in front of like a super powerful amplifier that was feeding back. And, you know, all of these bands had so much angst. You know, if you think about punk and hardcore music, there was tons of screaming and aggressive guitars and like double bass pedal uh, drums. Um, And as like a 15, 16 year old kid, this was just the most exciting thing ever. Um, And, you know, there were a lot of amazing bands in that scene. Um, Like the one band that stands out was this band called Knuckles Sandwich whose owner was like this like 40 year old dude who was like super immersed in like the punk and hardcore scene in Huntington County. And I think he set up most of these shows. His name was actually Richie. I remember that. Um, And I remember getting ready for these shows. Matt and I would really, we would have a ritual where we had to get our outfits just right. I remember I I, I had this awesome t-shirt. It was, it was a Hunter green t-shirt and it had the symbol for the New Jersey Parkway on it, 
but instead of Parkway, it said Hardcore. So it was like this NJ Hardcore shirt, and it was the Garden State Parkway logo. For anyone from New Jersey, that's, you know, you can definitely picture that in your head. Um, you know, this was my first time moshing. This was my first time in like an aggressive, like, um, pit where people are slam dancing. A lot of times it was mostly punk and hardcore, but sometimes there would be ska bands who play like, uh, Catch-22. And, um... And people wouldn't mosh to the ska bands. They would do this thing called skanking, where they would get like really low to the ground and do like this very like um, signature kind of dance. <laughs> um, I can't really explain it right now. But, you know, King Buffet, those, those were the absolute days, you know, when you could go and see some really aggressive punk rock music get a black eye in a mosh pit all while being in the midst of like this buffet restaurant in the middle of rural New Jersey. Um, those nights were electric and I'll always remember, remember them. Um, sadly King Buffet shut down. Um, they changed the restaurant into a diner and it was a diner for probably about 10 years and they've recently shut down that diner and tore it, torn that down. And now sadly it's a parking lot. Um, but when I think about punk rock music, when I think about the energy and excitement of live music, I'll always think back fondly on those King Buffet days. So we just watched this uh, Stefan Marbury documentary on Netflix. Um, it's called like The Kid from Coney Island. And uh, it was fascinating. It was super engaging. I'd recommend it to, to anybody. Really, really well done documentary. And gave a lot of insight um, to an NBA player who I didn't really know that much about. Um, and like Cam, Killer Cam is in it, Cameron is in it because he was like a big basketball star back in the day and he was friends with Marbury and he gives like some amazing insight, some like total Killer Camisms thrown in there. Um, it's a really great documentary. And it, it showcases and focuses a lot on um, Stefan Marbury's AAU career. He played for this team called the Gauchos who were... Um, based out in uh, New York City. And watching this, it made me reflect and think about my AAU basketball career. Um, you know, I grew up playing basketball. It was like the most important thing to me for so many years. I was obsessed. Um, you know, I would spend hours in my driveway shooting free throws and practicing. And, um, and when I was in seventh grade, I had the opportunity to play for this um, AAU team out of New Brunswick, New Jersey. And they were called the Central Jersey Jammers. And, um, you know, I just, I remember I went to go try out for the team. Um, I remember, remember being like one of two white kids in the entire tryout. And I remember feeling really intimidated by that because, you know, I was from... Califon, small town New Jersey. 
um, not a very diverse place. So this was like a new thing for me. Um, and I ended up making the team. And, um, and it was amazing. I have so many good memories from playing on the Central Jersey Jammers. You know, we would practice um, two nights a week in New Brunswick. And, um, you know, my, my dad would drive me to practice. And New Brunswick was far from our house, you know. So, like, my dad would, would sacrifice, like, his nights. Like, he wouldn't come home from work. He would meet me halfway. My mom would drop me off to him. And then he'd drive me to practice. And he'd stay with me at practice. And then we'd always get um, fast food after. And that was, like, the special thing. I remember, like, we would go to McDonald's or Taco Bell. Um, and my dad was always on the Atkins diet at this time. <laughs> so, like, my, my major memory is, like, him eating, like, triple cheeseburgers with, like, a knife and fork. But um, the Central Jersey Jammers was a, a traveling team, so we practiced twice a week in, in New Brunswick, and then every single weekend we would have, like, a, a, a tournament in, like, a different city, sometimes in different states. It was, like, traveling basketball. So... Being like a, uh, a young kid, it was super exciting. You got to go stay in hotels and, and, um, and the, the quality of play was like absurd, you know? Um, I definitely was like never a starter on the team. I was always a bench player. But, um, you know, playing up like that with kids who were college bound, NBA bound, really made me a better player and, and definitely made me a tougher person too. Um, you know, and like, it, it exposed me to a whole nother world that, um, you know, set the stage for, for the rest of my life where um, diversity is, is a big, big part of my life and a major aspect of everything that I do, you know, in terms of teaching, um, in terms of how I structure my classroom, how I speak to my students. Um, and, and the stage was really set for that. Um, with AAU basketball, and I'll forever be grateful for that experience. Um, you know, sports are such an important thing, and it's just weird in COVID right now, it's like there's no sports on, team sports are not functioning, they're not operating. Um, you know, people are working out in their apartments, and, and it's just, it's crazy. But, um, I think it's important to like reflect on, on those foundational experiences that like really kind of shape who we are today. And, and Central Jersey's Central Jersey Jammers basketball was a big part of that for me. Um, so go st check out that that uh, Stefan Marbury documentary on, on Netflix. It's bomb. This is Patrick. Love y'all. You know, I think we all have these mythical places from growing up, places that we attach certain memories to, places that sometimes seem larger than life in our memories, places that when you think of them um, really evoke strong, vivid memories. and. Um, a place that I've been thinking about lately 
is this little place in Highbridge, New Jersey called Solitude Village. And growing up, you would always hear rumors about like this like secret waterfall in the woods that kids could go jump off of, you know, in Highbridge. So I grew up in Califine. Highbridge was two towns over. You know, so, and, and generally kids from Highbridge were pretty rambunctious. Highbridge had a bad reputation. And so like when, when I heard about this secret waterfall in the woods, um, I, I think at first I was scared to even like adventure out and try to find it for fear of being attacked by Highbridge kids, like hiding in the woods. But um, <laughs> alas, that never happened. And, and then I got to high school and, you know, I just started hearing stories and more and more rumors about um, kids getting hurt or dying at this secret waterfall in the woods. Um, and, you know, again, I never, never ventured to it, never had any experiences there, just like these memories of danger and death. And it wasn't until I was in Monument and we were doing our first Monument band photo shoot did I, um, did I first get to Solitude Village. And Solitude Village is this secret waterfall, kind of in the middle of the woods. It's hard to access. And um, it's, it's a man-made waterfall. It's like these intricately carved steps um, and it's, it's more a man-made dam. Um, and I think it was used to power, you know, the old steam factory in Highbridge many, many years ago. Um, and so now it's just this uh, man-made waterfall. And the allure is that you can jump from the top. Um, but you have to really kind of jump far out, so it's kind of dangerous. So alas, many people have gotten hurt um, at Solitude Village. But for this monument photo shoot, you know, we wanted to capture like a slice of, of Huntington County because that was a big part of who the band was. So we thought that Solitude Village would be like a perfect place for this shoot. And, um, and it was, I still have these pictures, these pictures I'll, I'll always hold near and dear to my heart. Um, shot by the famed New York photographer, Tony Jones. And, um, it was pretty much just like the band in like jeans and white t-shirts adorned with like all of our rock and roll jewelry from that time. Um, in the water, in Lake Solitude, uh, sitting on the steps of the waterfall, just kind of getting like totally soaked, but we were oblivious to the wetness. We're in our clothes. It was very rock and roll. It was very like early 2000s vibes. Um, and, and I actually have this, so Tony took like a very specific headshot of me that day. And, um, and that picture, it's an iconic photo. It's one of my favorite pictures ever. And I have just like monumentally long hair in that picture. And I can say with like a certain amount of pride today that my hair today is at that same length. So... Alas, I, I have my rock and roll monument hair back. Um, and, and I'm feeling good. Feeling good in cutine. Um, you know, 
I, nothing, I would love nothing more than to spend the day at Solitude Falls today and get some awesome photos with my long hair, jump off the waterfall, maybe get hurt, maybe not, who knows. But I think it might be a couple years before I get back there. Um, but uh, the memories live on and, and the photos certainly live on too. This is Patrick. Love y'all.